0: that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean, very simple, no complex, no multi-step processes, super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Are you the type of leader who wants to leave behind a legacy? Well, I'd love to help you unlock a legacy of excellence with the School Leadership Toolkit. For just $97, you'll gain access to 10 easy-to-implement resources, including templates, frameworks, and bonus content designed to help you manage your to-do list, make better decisions, navigate difficult conversations, and support your team. Fast-track solutions to your challenges by grabbing the toolkit at schoolsofexcellence.com toolkit, or click the link in the show notes. Elevate your leadership journey today. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, uplevel your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khani Olshansky, I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Welcome back to another episode of the Schools of Excellence podcast. Today is a very special episode. It's our Member Spotlight episode with Courtney Greiner. So Courtney is the owner of Minimo's Child Care Preschool in Esco, Minnesota, and she has 25 staff and 95 children at full capacity, and she has three people on her leadership team. Courtney is an Owner's HQ member since December of 2017. And today's conversation is really near and dear to my heart because I've known Courtney for a really long time. She's been a member for a really long time. She's had some really massive shifts in her leadership. When she first joined Schools of Excellence in 2017, she was the director and the owner. And then she slowly transitioned to just being the operating owner. And some of the Things that you'll hear today in our conversation is how Courtney was able to shift her money mindset to increase tuition and work through the feelings that come up when it comes to something like that. She was able to up level and train her leadership team so that they can step into their own leadership roles. She was able to trust that her team can take over so she could take time off while not working and spend some quality, meaningful time with her family and have the peace of mind and sleep at night, knowing that everything is running as it should. Courtney's had an incredible journey here at Schools of Excellence in both our Directors Program and then into our Owners HQ Program. And I hope you enjoy this conversation and really see what's possible for you when you apply yourself and when you really learn how to take the content, take the training, execute on it, come back, get feedback, work on your mindset, all the things that Courtney did. So hope you enjoy this conversation. So you joined our Directors Inner Circle in December of 2017, which is a very long time ago at the time of this recording, uh, which is in September of 2022 that we're recording this. So I'd love for you to take us back to that time. What was going on in your center? What were you experiencing when you and I got onto that call?
1: So in December of 2017, we had been open just over a year at our centers. So we were still trying to navigate how to be successful, honestly, and how to manage our staff and keep them happy and families happy. And, and we needed, I always said, I always said that we were like surviving, but we weren't thriving. So we were kind of in this survival mode for so long. And after I joined, I definitely had like more direction. And the other thing I always say is that, you know, I came from a business. I worked at a bank, so I always had HR. I always had somebody to help with the management pieces. And then when you own your own business business or are a director, you are that. And so you don't have those people to go to. So I felt like the director's group was really helpful in that, of being able to go in and get ideas and support and from people who were in similar situations as myself, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that you were still so much in the infancy of your business when we first connected. So when you first joined, you were in a season of life where you were raising young children. I believe your kids were, I don't know, seven or nine at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I would love for you to share a little bit about how you've really shifted some of your priorities and focus um, as you started to work through some of these skills and the trainings that are inside the program they i know that they really had personally impacted your personal life and i'd love to kind of kick us off with that since there are so many people that are in similar seasons of life as you that are trying to figure out how can i be a mom hmm. and a yeah. child and a business owner
1: yeah i think that was probably one of the biggest challenges i had was how do i balance and i still have that problem, but it's so much better. And so much, you know, I think that you're always going to have, you know, what does this look like? And it's always changing because my kids were five and eight when I opened and now they're 11 and 14. So, you know, now we're navigating sports and and yes. teenage emotions and all of that, which is very different <laughs> than the five and, nine. <laughs> yeah, or five and eight. So, but at that time I was at work, all the time. And when I was home, I was my brain was still at work. And so I didn't feel like I was giving my family, my all or not even my all but my best that I could at that point, because I don't think I will ever be able to give them my all because Minimo's also has that part, but I'm giving them now much more meaningful moments. And, um, and, and there's a purpose to those those times that we do spend. And I think that that was probably one of our most important meetings when you said, make those moments meaningful when you do have them and, and you know, make it a priority and do that with each kid every day. I definitely have changed that mindset of mini will be there, the work will be there, but my kids will only be this age, you know, for so long. So um, focusing on them has been awesome.
0: I love that. I love that. And we had often spoken about how sometimes we give the best of ourselves to work and we bring the leftovers home. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think just really the clarity of expectation around now I don't bring leftovers home. I bring, you know, the main course also. The main course gets split, mm-hmm. and yeah. both of my passions in my life get to have that. It's a really powerful shift. Walk us through a little bit about how your relationship has changed. I know that you have dedicated more time for time off and vacation and rest (laughs) and space. So I want to talk about where you were when we joined, where you were working nonstop and you didn't justify any time off or any vacation versus where you are today. So let's let's go back to where you were.
1: So back when we first opened or within those even first couple years when i would do family time or go places i still was working you know i still did payroll and i did invoices and all of those things while i was on vacation which isn't really a vacation then and we had always talked about restructuring that leadership piece into having a director or right now we I'm still the director, but she's the operations manager that I hired. And then we have an assistant director. So, but we always talked about that extra staff coming in and it just wasn't feasible for so long financially. But then once we were able to make that work, it made an incredible difference because I can leave now and know those things are being taken care of. And I, you know, she knows what she's accountable for. I know what I'm accountable for assistant director knows what she's accountable for we're still like well you know finding that balance of how to hold each other accountable but it has been you know i can leave and i don't come back to a month you know or even two weeks worth of work that just hasn't been touched because we figured out that leadership team and what what each of us are doing and if i'm gone who's taking care of that and honestly at this point too i'm more big picture which we are always talked about as the owner too, is like, I'm building those outside relationships and doing some of the lobbying for childcare and doing some of those really high level pieces that long-term will have positive impact on our business, which I know you had said too, is I need to be spending my time on what is making our business survive and um so that's invoices and payroll and marketing and all of those things and i did those and then i moved into this new shift of like we need to fight for our school so that we can continue to make money and continue to survive so that has been an awesome shift and learning you know the politics and the impact of government funding and all of those things um and i get to i have time to do that now because the yes. other pieces are being taken care yes. of you know
0: so i want to i want to unpack this here for a second for people that are listening is you know courtney i i saw this you know when we first met i felt that one of your values was advocacy and just really mm-hmm. wanting to be someone that was advocating for projects that you found valuable, right? Being an advocate is not an advocate for everything. It's being an advocate for the couple of things that are important to you um, and the impact and legacy that you want to create in the world. And we can't be advocates or create legacy when we're worried about if there's toilet paper in the boiler room, you know, or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Like, it just, it's not... Nothing takes five seconds. It doesn't take two seconds to order toilet paper. There is a process and the owner cannot be doing that. And so I think this is such a beautiful time period where we get to say, wow, like I'm actually in this big picture role. I am no longer worried about this stuff, I can actually go pursue things that I want to while the business continues to take care of me, right? Like we have to take care of the business so the business can take care of us. And we take care of the business. We have to know there needs to be a time limit of like, okay, and now the business has to start taking care of me. So I, I love that for you. I love how you've been able to really make that shift. One of the conversations I know we had, I think this was pre-COVID, you wanted to increase tuition rates. And I know that that was something you were very worried about. And there was a lot of conversation inside of the group where other members were increasing tuition. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Because I know that was a big money mindset growth for you in that, in that time yeah, period.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we have always struggled with that financial balance um, because I wanted our center to be the best it can be. And to do that, it costs money, you know, in, in order to keep teachers and and to supplies and building maintenance and all of those things. So um, it's always been a hard balance for me because I don't put my own paycheck or financial well-being into that mix very well. And so by looking at everything, we definitely had to do a tuition increase, which again I struggle with because parents are struggling. Before COVID, they were struggling. After COVID, it was even worse. Uh, So how do you say, hey, this is, we're going to charge more. But looking back now, and even now considering another tuition increase, is that they're getting so much from that money. And the mind shift definitely needs to change that. We're not just babysitting your children during the day, right? We are, our teachers are doing so much to get them ready, not only for school with the academic piece, but that social emotional piece as well. And that has value. And if we can, and I always feel like I'm making, this is my reasoning for it. And I'm telling parents and making excuses and and trying to really explain myself. And in all reality, I think just the parents are willing to pay for quality and for consistency and for, you know, a, a great place for their kids to be. And um, we when we raised prices, I don't think that anybody said anything about it. Like they, I definitely explained those things that quality, unfortunately, unfortunately it costs more. And so, but they also know what they're getting and why we're doing it. And so they also agree our teachers deserve more pay. and and we have to pay our bills and we have to we have to be there in order for them to go to work and so to do that we have to raise rates things get more expensive
0: I think what's so interesting about tuition when we raise tuition is we all know the justifiable reasons in our brain of, of Mm. course, we have to raise our tuition, but the brain plays a very different game with us, right? Where Mm. we want to justify why we shouldn't raise tuition. So (laughs) I'd love for you to share a little bit about how you worked through this process. I know there was a lot of back and forth in the Facebook group. We had Mm. coaching calls. You were talking to some members. I'd love if you can as much as you want to openly share the journey, because I think it's important for people to hear other people's stories. There's someone that's listening and saying, God, I want to increase tuition. Help me. What do I need to do? This isn't a technical game, guys. This isn't about how to send the email. You can rip that off of Google for free. This is a mind game.
1: It really, really is because you're trying to justify this investment in our children, right, to us in this business is like, well, duh, we, you know, we need to make these investments. And it's just as important as post-secondary that people spend money on, even elementary and junior high, high school, all of those, there's money invested in those things. Why is early childcare any different than that? And so I think that shift in my mindset was, I need to justify it in order for it to be not just, hey, we're raising rates and it's going in my pocket necessarily, but do I really? Because they know what they're getting and we're busy and people love us. And and so by raising our rates, we're only increasing the quality that we offer. So, and we have to do the parking lot. We have to pay our teachers. We have to replace our refrigerators. We And so justifying it, And not having that, you know, angel devil on your shoulders um, is tough, but at the same time, like it is a business. And sometimes I think that because we're empathetic and kind and caring and have that kind of mindset, we are always thinking about others, but not always thinking like, how do I make this business survive and successful so that we can continue to provide quality care long-term not just at this moment. So it's hard. I mean, that part has really always been tough for me, but that's why I advocate as well for hopefully someday getting state funds and getting help for parents and hope that that happens at some point. But in the meantime, we need to survive and we need to make money to continue. So,
0: yeah, Tell us a little bit about how your culture has evolved from like the one person Courtney show to the leadership team, to, you know, all of that. Where was your culture when we first started working together back in 2017 to where it currently is today?
1: Um, I think it has changed significantly. We, um, well, COVID had a play in that too, but not only- we made it through COVID because we knew how important it was to uh, recognize our teachers and um, communicate with them, you know, one-on-ones asking them what's going well and what's not going well. How can we support you better? And they knew that we were, we have their backs through it all. And they still know that. And um, I think one thing that I had to come to terms with a little bit is in our business, oftentimes it is a revolving door, not because people aren't happy, but because teachers of early childcare don't have the recognition they deserve. It's that mindset. But at the same time, if we can do everything we can to keep them, support them into being better teachers, which is really important to um, know, to share our appreciation for all that they do and all of the important things that they're teaching the kids and helping with the kids and then continuing to do our best to fight for better. I mean, that to me has changed that, 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 Hey, Minnie Mouse is a stepping stone into Minnie Mouse as a career, mm-hmm. you know, and, and now people are staying and, and we still have the turnover because we have some, but that, every industry
0: is going to have turnover, right.
1: Yeah. And, and but now my teachers know that you know i want them to stay i want them to yeah. make a career of this i appreciate i see it as a career and for that switch was huge for us yeah. and we survived a lot of the employee struggles that other people are having by having that kind of outlook on it
0: yeah and it really all starts from you right like your Commitment to creating that type of environment and that type of space for people to work in is what creates, you know, like we call the ripple effect um, Mm -hmm. inside of, you know, all the centers and inside of all the leaders that you're working with. So I want to transition here a little bit to the kinds of systems that you put in place, right? The director's inner circle, and then you eventually transitioned into our owner's HQ program. I have a lot of systems on time, on one-on-ones, on classroom observations, on performance reviews, on all of these different things. What are some of the systems that you have put in place inside of your center and, and some of the results that you've seen? Yeah, it's um,
1: so interesting to like, you know, talk about all of those because uh, along the way, I think I've probably tried most of the system, you know, incorporated them and then um, and they don't always stay right on the same track but like one-on-ones so important you know our teachers know that there is that communication and if they are struggling which they do because it's not easy you know that we can talk to them but not we're not always going to just give them an answer we're going to come up with a solution with them as a team during those times which is really given them confidence in making decisions long term too. So it's changed their work ethic into, I'm just going to go to Courtney for the answer. So I'm (laughs) going to go to Courtney and the leadership team for support in finding the answer, which um, is huge. And then the time blocking, I'm going to be honest, never great at that, but we definitely now block off because we had talked about constant interruptions yeah. if i can put out the fire and they don't have to that was easy right so we now block off time within the week and off and day really that the office is closed like you, Unless someone's bleeding, not even that, I mean, bleeding significantly, or there's a true emergency or a fire, you don't knock, right? Yeah, <laughs> you can yeah send in you've email really created that boundary. Yeah, yeah. and it doesn't always go great, but we have to continually put out those reminders and hold people accountable for, for that time. And so that has been awesome for us to put those boundaries up, because otherwise they will come in and they will interrupt for to see if they should throw a dirty pair of socks away. You know, and it's yeah. like, you guys know the answer to that.
0: Yeah. So. You don't need to ask me about the socks. Yeah. Whatever you do is fine.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I don't care about the socks. Uh,
0: exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. What has really made this journey and experience unique to you or, you know, um, a better question, really, what surprised you about being part of this program over the last five years?
1: I, I think that when I started, I thought I was going to jump into it and I would be able to be at home and I check in every once in a while, <laughs> you know, I had big expectations of not necessarily being on site all the time. And so, um, the nice, so at the beginning I was, I mean, I was there 50 hours a week plus, and then, like I said, at home still working, still getting calls and texts and all those messages and and so over the course of time, the thing that's probably made the biggest difference is knowing that creating a culture and environment where they can survive without me there, you know, and that culture and environment is um, not going anywhere. Sometimes it needs a little bit of like, hey, get back on this path. but but it is at the base of what we do. And by creating, I think even, you know, listening to to calls and and the resources, we created a code of ethics that just really reflects so many of the things that we've had discussions about, but also now is how we do everything. You know, it's hiring and terminating and reviews and um, pay increases and all of those things go back to these like core values. And, and so for me, it was, is knowing that I can let go and we'll still be okay.
0: Yeah. I remember you were part of the original cohort when we introduced this concept, the schools of excellence standards, when we were Mm -hmm. sitting down and, you know, working together, this is, you know, very small, the time we were like 20 members and we were Mm -hmm. writing our standards and I love how that has been something that has really stuck because again, you know, tips and tricks and tactics are going to come and go during seasons. Sometimes you're going to implement something more than the other, but the fact that these principles that you've implemented have helped you make decisions, hiring termination. Like that's what values are. That's what it means to truly lead a value-based center and and build the sustainability of a school of excellence. And I love that you live and go to sleep in peace, knowing that it's not running anywhere because you've built it on solid ground, not on quicksand. And I think, I think we underestimate what quality of sleep and quality of life actually means Absolutely, when we have this kind of stuff with us. Yeah. So just a couple more questions here, you know, A lot of times people are thinking about joining a particular training program or coaching program because they're looking for this kind of support, but it is a commitment. It is a commitment of time. It is a commitment of your energy. It is a commitment of of financials. What is your message to someone who is thinking about joining, maybe hesitant about joining, maybe unsure, looking for some sort of reassurance or certainty? Tell us about that. I am
1: probably the prime example of not thinking that it was or you know, not thinking I had the time, right? And but the more I was involved, especially at the beginning, one, I always knew that group was there for support, right? So I always had that. Um, if I knew I was, if I was running into questions or I was running into issues, or I always knew I could I had people that understood and wanted what was best for our business. And so that I think was huge. And then when joining calls and all, you know, I always struggled because again, it's that balance of like, um, what's important, but in all reality, the value that it added to our center long-term, the cost was easy to justify, right? Like we were talking is that you're not always adding value in a, in a, Hey, we're putting money in our bank account, but in all reality, by joining the group, I built up a culture, I built up a center, I built up myself to make money into the bank account. Um, yes. And so I was able, you know, we had quite a few conversations about what that was going to look like. And financially doesn't make sense because I feel bad. I'm not able to do these things, but I'm going to do this for myself. But really, I wasn't doing it for myself. I was doing it for everyone that w- worked for me a- along the years, which is a significant amount. I'm doing it for the parents and for the kids as well. So that investment, when you think about spread over the course of all of the years and those people is minimal when it comes to cost. And I think that thinking about it that way, like, yeah, you're paying a certain amount for your your own benefit, but in all reality, by building a strong leader, you're building a strong school. And so that has been really nice for me to like, okay, I, I can let that piece go and not be worried about that cost or that mm-hmm. time. Or, because I mean, I didn't make every call. I didn't make every meeting, but they're available if I need it. And, you know, the podcast and the different tools and everything was always there. And yeah. if I chose to use it, it was there for me. So, and I I think the more you put into it, the more you take out of it. But it was a really, especially at the beginning and even, you know, the continued support was super helpful in just knowing like having some sort of guidance and not navigating the unknown essentially.
0: Yeah right it's the uncertainty it's the ambiguity. I want to touch on for a moment you know why is it so scary to bet on ourselves? Why is it so scary to take however big or significant the investment is? It's scary to put that money into us. It's much less scary to say, I'm going to put it into the teachers. I'm going to put it into a new painting job. I'm going to put it into a new desk. Like it's so much easier for us to take money and put it into other people or other things than in ourselves. Why? Why is that? Why was that true for you? I just think that because we weren't in like a super finance, you know,
1: a super um solid financial situation at the beginning. Um, I thought, well, I can't spend money on myself right now because you know, I need to
0: order fill in the paper, paper supplies, or it can that, go anywhere,
1: right? Yes, but then yes, I look the at blank. it and that money will always be going somewhere. Right. So if I can invest it in myself to be better, a better leader and in all reality, I always feel like we're not only teaching the kids, we're teaching those employees and teachers to be, um, to have better work ethic and to be stronger teachers. And, and so by bettering myself, I can better that support for them. Mm -hmm. And in that it helps. It just is a trick, uh, the ripple effect, right? right? (laughs) It is, it really is. And so, you're investing in yourself, but also investing in, in your business and the people that are work there and go there. So I think that it's justifiable in that for sure and worth it. I mean, we probably made more money long term by doing by spending the money than we would have if we hadn't.
0: Yeah. So that brings me to my next question. When you first joined the program, and again, feel free to share as much as you feel comfortable with. You don't have to, you know, share anything that is private information. But where were you holding revenue and profitability-wise when you first joined the program versus where your profit margins and where you're holding now?
1: Well, we weren't making any money or profit. Okay.
0: <laughs> so there we go. That's where we started. <laughs> yeah,
1: so that's where I started. No money, no profits. No money, no profits. Yeah, I mean, we own the buildings. So we we're making payments on that. And so there was equity there. But I wasn't taking home a paycheck. I wasn't paying ourselves rent. I wasn't, you know, so many of those things had gone on a back burner because we just needed, like I said, we needed to survive at that point. Now the financial piece is... M- much more solid. I don't know that I would say we're like raking in a bunch of money, but that's by choice. That's my own, but we could be. I invest a lot back into the business. And so that kind of. Are you profitable that, now? Are you? We're you're, profitable. Yes, we're profitable, profitable and we are way better balanced. I'm not looking at week to week and saying, can we pay our bills? Can we pay payroll? I need to borrow, do a personal loan so that I can cover our business expenses. So yes, we definitely are much more stable in that. And um, and and going forward, I think it's only getting better. I mean, it's been six years and you think that's a long time, but in all reality, you know, with COVID in there, throwing everything It takes for seven
0: years for a business a to really turn a real profit. Yeah.
1: But that is that. the
0: average.
1: Yeah, and I can see that uh-huh. now. You know, we're uh-huh. definitely for so long we've been in this like getting there getting there getting there getting there getting there and i oh we like, got there coming <laughs> yeah like it's yay we're finally finally there and there are ups and downs through the year but we're definitely so. Oh, so much better than we
0: used to be financially yeah. so mm-hmm. so what's on the horizons for your center for you as you kind of have entered this new season of letting it go of trusting the team of building this operational infrastructure Tell us a little bit about some of your dreams. What's next for you?
1: Um, I think that for me, it's the having other people recognize how important child care is. And and I have always been really passionate about kids in general, but then also the teachers that are helping them grow and and with them during these young years. And so really advocating, like you said, and advocating for child care employees and early ed and taking time for myself and my family to enjoy. So balancing those two pieces. And then I love going in. I love going to the, to Minimo's. It is like hard to be sad when all those happy kids are, you know, running up and, and Miss Courtney, Miss Courtney, you know, and it's just, that's the best feeling ever. And I want that to continue, but I don't want to have to. And you know, for a while I was feeling like, i don't want to go there because there's the drama and there's the fires to put out and there's so the frustrating pieces were outweighing the amazing pieces and now we're finally to the point where it's like okay i don't have to do all of this um every day and i can enjoy going and saying hi to the kids and spending time in the classrooms and checking in really it doesn't have to be a full day of check-in it can be one or two times a week and over the summer i did just Wednesdays and Thursdays, I would go in, and sometimes that didn't even happen, you know. So it's Amazing. been exactly what I originally thought it would be. It just took some time.
0: <laughs> I love um, that.
1: Love yeah, that. it's really you had the
0: patience, the patience to get there,
1: which yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. Courtney, it I is you, I It is a couple extra gray hairs and some uh- <laughs> wrinkles from it all, but it was worth it. It was worth the the journey for sure.
0: Yeah. And now you get to evolve into the next stage of the journey, right? There's no summit. There's always the next evolution of who we are and what we want to become. So it's been it's been a pleasure connecting with you and kind of mm-hmm. getting getting to see that evolution.
1: Yeah. I am excited to see what what happens and how it all how it all goes. You know, there's always a little level of stress, but now there's so much more joy with it that it's
0: worth it. All the gray hairs. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with Courtney Greiner. I hope that you learned something new or took some inspiration from today's conversation. And if you resonate with Courtney's message and you are an owner or director who's looking for a higher level community higher level conversation, looking for the right training, the support, the systems and the content, then I would love to invite you to apply to our Directors in Our Circle or Our Owners HQ program. The link is in the show notes. This is really a unique group of leaders who are solution oriented, looking to bust out of the daily grind and really looking to build legacy and impact inside of their schools. So I hope you check it out and apply and see if it's a right fit for you. Thanks so much. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there. If you're a school leader, I bet you have a super long to-do list with all the things that you need to get done every single day. You got to-do lists of what the teachers need, what the parents need, what your leadership team admin. You also have to-do list about your visionary stuff or your future goals that you want to get accomplished. And every single day, it's a hustle against the clock to try to figure out how to check off every single thing on your to-do list. Today, I actually want to share with you a whole new way to tackle your to-do list and understand how to actually battle out the competing demands that happen inside of a child care center. It's my little secret sauce called having a do not do list. So instead of having a do list, you have a do not do list, a list of things that you do not do until certain things get completed, or a list of things that you do not do anymore if you want to create sustainability and long-term legacy inside of your center. I'm teaching this strategy and a whole bunch more of my credible tools in the Priority Reset Workshop on February 29th at 1130 Eastern. I want you to join me and dozens of other school leaders to reclaim your time, to learn how to balance those competing priorities, and most importantly, focus the time, energy, people, and resources on the activity, on the priorities, and the work that actually move the needle forward. I look forward to seeing you there. Click the link in the show notes to register. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the strategic summer workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems, Or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.